Welcome to the Directors UK podcast. This episode is something special as the amazing Steve McQueen joins Asif Kapadia to discuss his stunning Small Axe anthology. In a wide-ranging conversation, Steve and Asif cover everything from writing, shooting and editing, music, food and history. This is a fascinating deep dive into a landmark of British filmmaking. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey Steve, how you doing? Good to uh, good to be talking to you. And to you, it's a pleasure. Thank you for doing this. Very kind of you. I'm really, I'm glad to be doing it. I'm, I, I always think, you know, it's one of those things, one of the things I love about Directors UK and doing things like this is to hear directors and talk to them about what they do and how they do it and why they do it. So I think hopefully we'll talk about everything that you do, but also I'd love to try, when possible, dig a bit deeper into it. Mm-hmm. Um, where are you? Why don't you let us know where you are right now? I'm in Amsterdam. Uh, that's where I live, Amsterdam. How's, how's it going there? <laughs> well, not, 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 not too good. Not too good. Um, uh, it's, it's manageable. There's a curfew here. We have a nine o'clock curfew. Um, yeah, it's, it's manageable. It's manageable. I mean, we, there's, there's, there's not, um, it's, it's slightly looser than the UK as far as the rules are concerned, but there is obviously a curfew at nine o'clock. Um, yeah, it is what it is. It is what it, it is. is. Yeah. Tell me about your, this series of films. Tell me, where did this idea come from? Where did it all originate? Well, it was a kind of a want and a need and, and a must, really. Um, I just wanted to see those stories. I wanted to sort of uh, see on screen those, those stories which were out there and which I knew about and which were on screen. Um, you know, I wanted to sort of... The attempt really was to fill the the the, the, the hole in, in the canon of British film and in, in within our, our narrative, um, and I wanted to very much to do that, and you know again because you know you know black filmmakers uh, people wanted to be in film were not welcome were not in, people were not interested in us I mean I, I've had so many stories to tell about that people didn't want us we were not welcome you know we have as I said before we we have a Marlon Brando's, we have our Molly Montgomery Cliffs, we have our sort of, you know, Greta Garbo's doing IT or working in, you know, financial situations or on building sites or, uh, you know, in, in hospitals. I mean, that's where our, our talent is, um, who weren't allowed in for many, 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 many years. So for me, it was about, yes, this was the time. And one could ask, you know, why I didn't start with that. Well, I thought The Hunger would be my first and last film, so I wanted to go out with two guns blazing, really. And that was it. So I thought, okay, well, well, well I'm giving another chance. Okay, let's 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 let's, let's, let's do more. And, and that was it. So yeah, that was all. So so initially, this idea to do this series or something in this space came straight after Hunger. Yeah, it came quite early. But I did, you know, I, you know, things happened in a way where, you know, how can I say, things happened where there were things set in place. But I always knew I had, to, I had to get back to that moment um, where, I, where, I, where I sort of, um, which I wanted to do really. But it was just one of those things where, you know, time. I mean, I couldn't have done what I had done without that kind of maturity and without, without, without that kind of reflection. Because I'm 51 years old now. So looking back and, you know, who and how and what I am, you know, so like looking at your parents now compared to we looking at them, you know, 20 years ago, you see a different kind of person in front of you. So that reflection and that maturity, I needed to sort of uh, tackle these the, the, the subjects, these subjects rather. 
And so, I mean, we'll go jump forwards and backwards, but tell me, how did you select these five stories? Where did the five different ideas come from? And when did, where did the idea of doing it as a kind of series and not necessarily as one movie come from? Well, I always wanted to do uh, the story. The, the idea for me was always a, a, a West Indian family from 68 uh, to sort of the mid eighties. Uh, the reason why I'm 68, because it was for me that 68 was a pivotal year. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a, a sort of wind rush generation thing. I, I don't even, you know, I haven't time for that. Wind rush, I haven't had time. These are people who basically were putting their foundations down. So 68 was, is when, uh, you know, Frank Critchlow opened a mangrove. At the same time, unfortunately, there was a gentleman who I name I won't mention, who, who's, who was sort of giving a speech, you know, called Rivers of Buzz speech. Um, so it was about that foundation. It wasn't about people just, just coming. It was about people sort of just, you know, you know, sort of putting down their roots as such. And in the mid-80s, I think that's the last time, I think, where sort of some kind of progress w was made. Um, so that, that trajectory I always wanted to do. And I thought it was going to be one family. Um, and then I thought, um, you know, these should be true stories. These should be true stories. Um, because, you know, the richness of, of that was, it was just there. And, you know, I, I didn't need to fictionalize anything. You just go to the, the, the true stories. So then we set up a writer's room. So I thought, okay, well, it's going to be a series. And from that writer's room, we were working on, on the stories and whatnot. There were two writers that, 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 that stood out for me. And that was uh, Courtney Newland and Alice Siddons. And they were the two writers that I sort of worked with on, on, the, uh, uh, on, on, the five, on the five films. As well with uh, Alex Wheatle who was a part of the writer's room um, and whose story I was fascinated with because in the beginning, I asked everyone to empty the, you know, the handbags on the table as such. And his story was just so amazing, but he didn't want to sort of get into, he didn't want to, to, to write it, understandable. So he, uh, myself and Alice Siddons um, wrote it, but he, you know, he was our advisor and he, came, he became an advisor across the board of, of, of Small Acts because obviously he was you know, very much present at that time. I, at that time, Certain periods of time, you know, what we're talking about. Um, I was sort of, in, you know, you know, ten, eleven years old. And did you did you approach the BBC? Did I approach you? How did that kind of initial relationship come about? I approached the BBC because I wanted these stories to be within the bloodstream of the country. I wanted any and anyone to have the opportunity to see these films. That was very important to me from day one. I thought, you know, it wasn't a case of. You know, it was a case of getting to communicate to the people of this country, um, of this country, of, of, of the UK, because these were national stories. These were stories of resistance, national stories of resistance, national stories of heroism and bravery by ordinary people. And therefore, I wanted to, to communicate that to the, the whole country. And the only way I could think or thought of doing that, uh, you know, and then the people having this sort of possibility of, of accessing it in an easy way was, was the BBC. So I, I approached them, yes. Interesting. And so the idea was they're going to be available. They're available for free. Anyone can watch them. You can watch them again and again. It wasn't like you had to sign up to something. That was it. Because I basically came back to, I wanted my mom to see it. I want my mom to turn on the TV and see these stories about her and other people like her and the people that she knew on TV. I remember, you know, back in the day when, when a black person used to appear on television, we used to ring people. It's a black person on TV, whole family, people be ringing you. Oh my God, do you see that? So, you know, it'd be kind of like Chinese whispers on the phone. You people run down, put the TV on, and or switch the channel. Oh my God, yes! And you know, just to have a black person on television would be an event. So, which which film do you want to start with? Where, which film comes first for you on the list? 
well, let's go to Mangrove, let's do that. <laughs> tell me, so tell me about that story. Tell me about the kind of where did the initial kind of idea form? How much of it was based on stories you already knew or came well, out? That of was always, that was, okay, Mangrove, um, Mangrove, Lover's Rock um, were, the two, were the two stories I came in with originally. After the writer's room, the story that I came up with when it was over, that, you know, was, was education. And I was, I was holding back on that maybe because of my own history of that. So the things which materialized in, the, in, in, you know, in, that, in that room were, because I didn't know, it was Helen Bart, a, a great researcher, came with me with, with the Leroy Logan story, um, uh, Red, White and Blue, because I, obviously I didn't know that. And that was interesting. So we, that, that came out as Helen Bart, a researcher. And then Alex, of course, the guy came out in the writer's room, Alex Wheatle. So mangrove was very was you know that was that was the that was the one I was going to do from day one, um, but as I dug into research of mangrove, you know, it was the strangest thing, where certain things were sort of revealed in in, in the research. My own history was was in, in intertwined in that. My my father' um, best friend was Roden Gordon. Roden Gordon, one of his best friends, he grew up in a place called Paradise in in Grenada. And he, um, he was the man who sort of opened up the Black People's Information Center. And that was a person who I used to know when I was on, on, lying on the floor watching TV. He used to come over to my dad's house all the time, but I didn't know he was a part of the Mangrove Nine. I mean, I think the trauma was, was, was such that people didn't talk about it after a while because there was repercussions which happened after that. I mean, I mean you know, again, like, you know, after that trial, the day after, I think Roden, you know, got his, I think his arm broken and put into prison for five months for attempted assault on a police officer because there were the people wanted revenge. But the Mangrove Nine was a rare, rare occasion of of of, of a victory, of of, of uh, you know. So there was so it was so deep. I mean, and the trauma that people went through um, to this day, you know, the the, the children and, and and people who were surrounding it. Um, yeah, so it was it was a lot of research in, in that, and uh, yeah, and and you didn't necessarily have the crew that you made your features with, no. so you were looking for a new team to kind of pretty much everyone that you were working with. Were you working with for the first time on this? Yes, and that was great. And what we put in place from day one, what I wanted to put in place from day one, was that each in the, each and in the, each and every department had a program where we had uh, two apprenticeships for people, uh, black uh, um, uh, filmmakers in, in, in account, in, in, in accounts uh, situation, in, in, the, in, the, in the camera, um, uh, hair and makeup, uh, every aspect of the production had uh, at least uh, one or two um, people involved in, uh, as an apprentice program when, when we were filming. Um, that's the way I wanted to do. Obviously, I wanted the, 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 the behind the camera to reflect what was happening in front of the camera. It's very, very important to me. Um, I didn't have, I, I usually work with Sean Bobbitt. I've worked work with Sean Bobbitt, but I, I found this amazing VP called uh, Shabay Kushner, who um, I, he's from Antigua. Uh, and he's a just, just amazing young, young, young man. Um, you know, I, I like giving people a chance, an opportunity, because I was given a chance and opportunity. And it's a case of taking it. And Shabay not just took it, he hit the ball out of the park. And it was wonderful working with him. Um, I think, you know, what's beautiful about Shabir is that he's a sailor. And all the DPs I've, I've, had, I've had friendships with or, or friends with have all had association with the water. Uh, sailors and, and Sean is, is, is a fisherman. 
Um, uh, Robbie Muller was a he loved sailing. He, you know, he, you know, he was out in Indonesia. Um, uh, Chris Doyle, obviously, he was a merchant sailor for a while. Chris, we were friends for a while. I haven't seen him for a while. Don't know what I'm doing, but there's always the water, and I think with which, and it's, I think it's a, a sense of balance. I think it's a, a sense of balance. And Shabir, and he's a skater too, so he's obviously he's a skater. So there's a sense of balance that he has, which I which I very much appreciate. Um, yeah. So um, and other people on the crew, I'm, I'm going on a bit, but yeah. So, so, so but what's your link to water? Is that something personal for you as well? I'm surrounded, but I'm living in Amsterdam. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but but literally that idea of it, that's something they just had in common. It's just something that you get a sense of these people, the way they are with nature, lighting. No, I think also to the horizon. When you think of the horizon and perspective, you know, one has to make their own horizon. You know, there's, it's, it's depth and, and, and depth of field. It's, it's, it's sort of perspective, you know, and depth and, you know, balance, I suppose, you know, in that. I don't know. I, I'm only guessing here. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. I love the idea of that horizon. I imagine that was the first absolute straight line that anyone had ever seen, the horizon. You know, that, that there it is, the straight line. I suppose the circles, the moon, you know, all that kind of bullshit. But, <laughs> but it's interesting. No, it's true. It's not even, it's true. I think they, they, there's a relationship to space that they have and a perspective and dealing with the frame, of course. So I, I don't know. I'm just my, you know, folly philosophy there. Sure. So, so tell me, I mean, how did you plan this? Did you have to shoot much faster than you would normally on a feature? Did you have, or was Mangrove treated like a, a feature film? How much time do you have to shoot this one? Well, they're, they're all, all five of them are feature films, but apparently I shoot fast. I'm not aware of it because I don't know how other people shoot. Apparently I shoot fast. So I don't know. So I just shoot. So, um, so it was a, t a TV schedule. Um, um, but again, I'm, I'm not aware of that. And I often. So, how many uh, weeks would you say you had on on per movie? Oh, how did that work out? Oh my God, we have, I have the breakdown here. Yeah. I can't remember. Um, I'll talk about it. I think. Well, Lovers Rock was ten days. Um, oh God, let's do Mangrove. Mangrove was thirty days. I think thirty days. Mangrove was thirty days. Uh, uh, um, Lovers Rock ten days. Um, Red, white, and blue. Uh, I think it was it was uh, fourteen days, um, eleven days for Alex Wheatle, and um, the last one, education, is like twelve days. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they are they are they are quick. Um, tell me about the kind of just. With, I'm going to I'm jumping around, but oh, the sorry. casting. How did you how did you kind of come upon the cast and all, across all of the films? How long did that? Did were you doing them all at oh, the same time? Did you have no, big breaks we in between films? We were doing that for years. I was working with Gary, amazing a casting director who I worked with, Hunger, called Gary Davy. We were working on it since like 2015. <laughs> so that was interesting. I think mean, even more. We started in 2014, 2015. I mean, like Letitia Wright. I talked to her like maybe like five years ago so before Black Panther and any of that and I just offered her the job I had a conversation with her um cup of tea with her and uh, Gary was there and I spoke to her so, so you got the job and you know she was amazed apparently didn't audition her but I just you feel someone you you smell someone and that was it um and the others I mean Gary's been working on this for a long time you think he's must be thinking bloody hell is he, is he gonna make this I've been telling people all oh, their horses but they're getting older some people got old older so we couldn't use them but no this is this is this is a and again I think it's a planning you know, as the planning. So, you know, again, you know, uh, some sort of shot in 10 days, ooh, but often it's just a case of have, being organized and planning and having an understanding what you want. 
um, and, 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 and having fun, really. When you're having fun, nothing's a problem, nothing's a, 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 a stress. So it's one of those things where it's just having fun and having a beautiful set. Yeah, yeah. And, and tell me, tell me, um, Steve, what's your kind of, when you say planning, so do you know exactly what you're going to shoot before no. you turn up on set? Do you work no. it out on the set? Do you rehearse? No, I live, no, because what happens is it's almost like, for me, it's a pre, it's like the Olympic, it's like, it's like the Olympics. You train for like four years for that gun to go 100 meters. Okay. So if you ain't ready, I don't know when you're going to get ready. So for me, it's a lot of prep, a lot of conversations, you know, you know with the DP, with the costume designers, you know, with, you know, with Jacqueline and, and, and Helen, the, 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 um, uh, the uh, costume designer, you know, it's kind of like, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you just prep, 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 prep. And then I have an idea. We talked, I talked to Shadbear, what we're going to do. But then on the day, I don't know what I'm going to do. Sometimes I walk into, I don't even know what scene it is because I have it in my head. And I think often it's, a, it's like this conversation. I have no idea what it's going to come out of my mouth, uh, you know, from one word to the next. But I have the intention. And once you have the intention and you're present, it will happen. It will evolve. The intention is much more better than actually, the, you know, because I don't want to put my stencil onto anything. Something might change. Maybe it's raining outside. Oh, let's make it, make it let's incorporate the rain in this. Or something happens and in, 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 in when you're setting something up, you can fall, you can, you, uh, you go with it. I think that intention is so much more important than, than anything else. But the, when you have the intention, you know what to do. And also, most of the time, it's not knowing what you want, it's knowing what you don't want. And the limitations as limitation is freedom. So yeah, just go for it. I mean, again, you'll see it. If you can't see it, then you're in it getting ready yet. But you've got to see it at least or smell it. More, more smell it than see it because you know, when you know it's right, you know it's right. When you know it's wrong, you know it's wrong. So that's it. It's just, yeah, I yeah, I like I like it. I like it. I like it very much. Do you have a favorite part of the process? Do you love writing? Do you love shooting? Do you like editing? Or do you love it all? Well, editing's nice because you know there's no there's no act, no temperamental actors. You're there, you're ready to in a nice coffee. You know what I mean? Not giving you all that. It's like, oh, go by. It's just like, and you, you know, no, I, I, you know, there's there's a thrill in shooting because it is like walking a tightrope. There's it's and it's the thrill when you make it on the other side. It's the it's, it's the exuberance. It's, I imagine it's like scoring a last minute goal and you have make up five in off the post and it's like you go mad and you take your shirt off and the crowd is going nuts and I'm sorry I'm getting into it there but there's nothing better I feel than that moment unfortunately you don't get the adulation of the crowd but you do get some kind of satisfaction and then you go in the cutting room and then you find it's wrong but then again it, it was a moment at least it was a moment so I think the set is I oh god I'm, I'm rambling on but I think no that's Oh, then again, when you do a great compilation of the film, I like all of it, I like everything. And the writing too. That's, writing is difficult. Writing is difficult. Writing is You, you co-wrote, yeah? You were involved in the whole process. Yeah. Is that something you would normally do? Or is this a new thing for you? <laughs> yeah, and I'm writing, I'm writing a, a screenplay by myself for the first time now, which is kind of interesting. Um, but it's, it's because you know what it is. It's, it's that's, okay, with myself and Cordia or myself and, 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 and Alistair, what was interesting about that? was just the back and forth. That's, that's, I think that's beautiful in the sense of way, it's, it's like playing tennis with, with, rather than hitting a ball against a wall. Um, and, you know, because I knew what I wanted, for example, Love Was Rock, I knew what I wanted because it was a story of my, of my aunt. Because what happened was that my aunt couldn't go to blues and my, my uncle actually used to leave the back door open for her to turn to tip down 
at night and go to blues next morning, you know, time for church. So I knew a certain aspect of it. The, 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 I knew it was happening all night. I knew she was leaving her home. And it, I knew the end. I knew the guy, the guy with the cross, for example. That was a real dude. I used to see him a lot around um, Labragrove and Chelsea um, and, and in South Kensington. And I remember a thing, seeing him at a bus stop because I see I see him all the time. This dude. So I said, "How's he getting that bus?" And he claps. He claps across. They put it. So things like that. Um, so that was a great. Also to rap with Ecotia um, was just beautiful. Just to sort of have those and to laugh and to get things down. And the same is with with with, with Alistair. Alistair is, is an amazing researcher. So a lot of the stuff that we found in um, uh, Mangrove that was down that was down to. Um, 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 uh, Alistair, because he he found because there, unfortunately there were no recorded uh, documents of the court at that time. It was a year after they started to record everything, so he got a lot of his information. I think it was the Kensington Gazette. It was a local paper that actually was a journalist was there every day, writing everything down. Um, as far as the court case is concerned, so we were very fortunate to have all, all of that, as well as Ian McDonald when he was alive. We spoke to him in uh, in, uh, in, in depth about the, the, the case and everything else, as well as, you know, certain people who were around that time uh, with the Mangrove Nime and, and, of course, you know, people who were around Frank and so forth and whatnot. So there's one part which was much more sort of organic and the other part which was much more formal, which I love because how, what we did, what we did in that situation, my, 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 my intent was to do is to turn that courtroom from a, from a place of so-called justice but into a place of righteousness so the whole idea of the, of the black congregation which was, which was the gallery getting involved and to turn it into a place where you know you get someone like um dark as hell is you know turning the stand into a pulpit you know to his congregation see well, so many things to talk about Steve, but so so what you were talking about earlier the mixture of kind of doing research and things that were based on memory yeah. mixing that with like real people mixing it with fictional elements to create kind of this kind of space that you made your films in um and also yeah. also a really big one for me which i'll chuck out then you can talk about it which is just you know growing up growing up in my case growing up in london growing up in hackney same thing with kind of brown people, seeing them on TV or not seeing mm. them on TV. And when they were on TV, they were kind of the minor character who got bullied or attacked. What, what you've done is you've changed the kind of POV. So we've all grown up with cop shows that go mm. in and they raid some place and they kind of, and you have some kind of people of color who pop up being arrested. And mm -hmm. that was their bit. That was their walk on, right? Exactly. And, and here, switching the POV to be in the mangrove, to be in the restaurant, to be there and to feel for the characters who for no reason are getting raided. Mm -hmm. I mean, that big thing is what you were trying to do is there's a big picture of spinning around the point of view to show it from the perspective of the people, your characters. Yeah, it was, it was a truth. It wasn't a fiction in some ways. I hear you saying absolutely, but I didn't have to do, I didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't trying to do that. I was just telling a story in a way, and, and, and because it was a, a truth. And, you know, again, it's, it's a certain kind of, um, you know, there's no, you know, you know Goddard, was it every, every, every fiction is a documentary, every documentary is a fiction. So it's a case of how using what we got to tell what we want. Oh, James Brown says, use what you got to get what you want. You know, that's it. Um, so it's, it's about, you know, you could, it's a, how do you gather a truth from the past and create cinema. That, that, that's it, that's all, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
tell me a bit about you know pick pick whichever film you want to start with but you know do okay. you have set sort of idea of lenses and the kind of design and the color palette how did you oh, choose yes. the kind of visual style of your Ooh, work so let's let's talk about uh red white and blue then so or or we go red white and blue we, and we mix red white and blue with um uh, i was wrong so okay so uh with, okay my mangrove the first one I, I wanted. I wanted to be. For me, it was, you know, it was a crossroads going into um, Ben Hur, you know, because that for me, you know, I always knew it was. It's Western, you know. Frank, you know, you know, he was, you know, he was, you know, he's on, on, you know, he's on the wrong side of law a little bit, you know, for a little while. But then, you know, what he wants to go straight, he opens a saloon, and this this sheriff won't let him forget his past and harasses him and sort of, you know, takes him, tries to take him down. So we go from a little hole in the wall cafe to the highest court in the land. You know, we go to the old Bailey, you know, you know, basically for criminal, you know, hardened, you know, for criminals, people who commit treason and, uh, and murder for some guy who basically opened a cafe and, uh, you know, and, and gets arrested for a riot and a fray. So that's what I wanted. I wanted to go from Coronation Street or Crossroads to Ben-Hur or Lawrence of Arabia. So therefore, this sort of uh, widescreen, which, which was, was what I, I wanted to, to do. So it's a Western. It's, Mangrove is a Western. So I always based on Western. And, and West, Indian, West Indian people had to have an affinity to Westerns because it's sort of about the land. And most people from the West Indies, which I knew, uh, were from country and uh, therefore, and religion and all that kind of stuff. Um, so for me, that was it. So that widescreen and 35 millimeter had to be. So Lover's Rock, um, Lover's Rock was, um, you know, there was a continuum. There's sound. It was wafting. It was, it was like scent. It was, it was, it was all. To, it was a flow. So I, we, we wanted. I started shooting on on, on digital because I thought, you know, you can't stop. You know, get get you know, get a roll out. You know, get you know, re reload and also the flexibility. And if I saw them film, it's, a term, it's just too heavy. So, you so know, did again, you have really long takes in Lovers Rock? You just oh, let yeah, it go. Yeah. Oh yeah, look at it. Yeah. Oh yeah, long, long takes. I mean, you know, again, and, and also Shabier. You know, it's such a beautiful, these balance is just so gorgeous. So you don't even know the camera. You're so in the, so in the crowd that, you know, you don't even know, that, you know, it's beautiful what he does, you know, and it's beautiful, you know, get in there and, you know, do this and turn left. And, you know, I had him on my, I had him on my, I had him on my radio mic giving me hell. I mean, his eyes were bleeding, but it's just like, you know, the flow. I mean, you know, you can, you know, you can, you can translate and adapt. So that had to be on that. And then again, uh, uh, I go for red, white, and blue. That was on, uh, 35, but that was much more um, was square version. That was much more sort of the yeah, square. Why did I do that? I did that because I love the idea of television. And maybe I remember I saw, even that's even though it's, it's 35 again, there was a situation where the, the, it was much more, I wanted to be a much more familiar sort of um, ratio. So it wasn't so that if you make it into sort of like a mangrove, then it becomes something that it's not because it's not that, it's not. You know, I think mangrove, when you kind of elevate the story and no, not elevate the story, what you do is you elevate the action because of the frame, you know, and that's it. And I think with, 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 with red, white and blue, it was much more, I think if we, if we shot it in a widescreen, it would have been, you know, you, you'd be expecting something that you're not getting because it's much more dialogue. It's much more drama um, driven than you would imagine a cop sort of uh, a film to be, you know. So that's why it was that. Um, and then again, I'll just rattle on. And uh, anyway, Alex Weedle's digital and 16 was uh, um, education because I, I love playing for the day and I wanted to have another texture and I wanted to stick on you. 
I wanted this whole idea of the grain and, and a whole idea of, of that kind of, I remember seeing a lot of things, obviously shot in 16. We had a lot of trouble with the BBC actually for shooting on 16 uh, and broadcasting it, but they, they, they were cool in the end. Um, but I, I needed that sort of texture. I needed that grip. I needed that sort of fragility and, 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 and uh, uh, you know, film when you can't beat it as far as I'm concerned, sorry. It's, it's one of the questions that's coming actually from uh, kind oh, of the watch. It's about the idea of kind of play for today, Alan Clark. Were there any kind of references that you had in mind for the kind of tone of the films that you were looking to make? No, I don't. I don't. You know, I think what, you know, the tone, no, because the tone is the, from, from the subject matter. And, you know, if anything, Alan Clark, you know, you see scum. I mean, I'm sorry, but the geezer who should have beat flipping, uh, who's that guy? That was a black kid. And, you know, if you see Scott, it's like, are you sure he's having him? No, he's not. So, you know, there's his perspective. Guess what? I have my own thinking very much. Who's that geezer? He, he would knock the hell out of them, wouldn't he? I think, you know, <laughs> I try come to on. Remember. I look at Scott, it's like, really? I'm the daddy now? Are you really? Is that Winston, it's, it's, it? it's a movie. Yeah, yeah. Ray, yeah Ray Winston. Come on. Yeah. Got yourself. <laughs> So, so tell me about the kind of, again, how you, the, you were talking about colour palette. Let's talk about Lovers Rock, for example, yeah, like the kind of, the vibe of that, right? Funny enough, funny enough, this, this key, I saw Lovers Rock today in, in the Eye Museum, in, uh, in the, the, the Eye Museum in the uh, Netherlands, which is the, the, the National sort of Film Bloody Blah Theatre, because I was checking the DCP. Um, so I saw it, uh, or, you know, projected, um, and it would and, and surround sound and whatnot, and it was it was just interesting because it was you know it was uh, very much about Jacqueline Duran. It was very much about Helen getting an understanding of the color and and of blackness and of clothing, you know what people would wear. So when you have an understanding of that, when you're doing the research and stuff like that, when you're sort of you know um, introducing people to certain things, and they're getting it. Um, and also getting it for the first time for camera, because a lot of that stuff hasn't been really seen before, how people are dressing for blues. How the women used to sort of get a pattern. Um, I my mother, you know, getting a pattern for, and helping my aunt out and, and making a dress for it, like on a, on a, for, for, for the Saturday night. So basically you go to a blues on a, on a Saturday, Monday in the market, you get a pattern for a dress. My mother would be helping my make it for my aunt. And then Saturday, she'd be out with that dress. And the guys would have a certain kind of style. And the colors, I mean, you obviously, you, you see the shirt that, uh, you know, that Michael Ward uh, wore for, for Lover's Rock. Um, you know, these were the things which were so much about a certain kind of style and a kind of blackness. And of course, the, uh, the Helen Scott with the art department. Uh, so there was a combination of, of, of Jacqueline Duran and Helen Scott. And of course, um, talking to, um, Shabby uh, about the colors, because for me it's 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 like a, it's like a beautiful aquarium in a way that that room and with the music as well and intermingles. So you got all these flows and, and they have to flow. Um, so that was that that was the exciting thing about Lovers Rock and 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 the color palette. But it had to be right, um, you know, and it had to be you know a certain style and a way of doing it. And yeah, that that was it. That was. That was it. I feel like Asif would have had a design moving from colour palette to something else, but I'm going to go ahead and move to some of the audience questions. Okay. There's, there's several here that are about um, how you approach directing actors. Um, a couple of them saying, you know, what advice could you give? But also, do, do you did you have a different approach 
across the different films. You're working with very well-known actors in some of them. And, uh, you know, as you say yourself, a, a lot of the instances is that we haven't had a chance to see some of these actors because they haven't been given the opportunity to play the roles that they should have done. So um, I wonder if you could just talk us through your kind of approach to working with actors. Well, I love actors. I, 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 love, I love actors. Um, I love them. Uh, you know, I just feel what an amazing job you have that you portray humanity. I mean, you portray who we are. So I have a, a, an undying debt to um, an actor, so a huge respect. So therefore, that's why I go in with, and to sort of help them, you know, support them, guide them. That's what it is about. I think mean, each individual person is different, of course. And, you know, sometimes they need less, sometimes they need more. But it's, I, think it's, I think it actually starts with the whole set. I think it actually starts about the environment you, you place an actor in. Because, you know, actors are very sensitive, you know, obviously they're very skittish. And if they feel things up, you know, you know on the set or in the environment they're in, sorry, and if we're talking about actors and uh, how um, I work with actors, I was, just, I was just saying that the environment that an actor steps into is very, very, very important. Because I, I get the you know I get the impression with actors they're very skittish they're very sensitive they, they can smell what's up and if things are up they they're not gonna give 100 percent but if they feel they're in a safe environment they are willing to sort of open up they're willing to make mistakes make mistakes to to try things and because they feel they're in a safe environment so for me it's it, as if people ask me advice it's about the environment first and then you go into the actor but the environment has to be of a safe and happy environment in a way. People, they have, to, they have to see things happening which they feel, okay, this is, I can, I can work it. I can, I can bring something to this situation. Do you rehearse? Did you rehearse on these films? Did you have the actors to be able to do that? Yes, we did some rehearsing, but I don't like to rehearse too much sometimes because I think that your decision of, of bringing someone in, knowing who they are, is the best thing. Yes, we went through definitely a bit of rehearsal. But I don't like, obviously, sometimes the rehearsal, the sort of plane could come off the runway. Oh, down, down, down. But a lot of, also just a lot of things, for example, in Lover's Rock um, was to do with choreography. You know, that was pretty, um, you know, that was pretty amazing. And we had this woman called Coral Mazam, uh, who was a uh, choreographer. And she, we, we did a lot of uh, dance rehearsals, you know, because it's very different how way people dance now to how, when they dance then. Um, you know, people would have a partner and they would dance with a partner. Um, and you know, that's beautiful. The whole idea of dancing with a partner, uh, you know, and you know, and I think people just jump, jump around throwing shapes now, but there's, I love the tradition of that. And I think we, we lost a lot of stuff, not, not lost it, but we, we, we forget a lot of tradition which happened at these parties, how you would speak to someone, how you conduct themselves, how you would dance with someone. So I want to sort of bring those back into the dance. And I was speaking to you, sorry. No, no, no. Go on. Finish what you're saying. No, I was speaking a little bit earlier about the color palette in Lovers Rock, and, and, and I was just talking about um, Jacqueline Duran and Helen Scott, the costume designer, um, Jacqueline Duran and Helen Scott, getting it right in a sense of blackness and style and color, and talking to Chabert about, about the temperature, the, the color temperature and palette, so it would intermingle with, with, with that, so nothing would bump, everything would flow. And it's similar, like, it's like, a, it's like a, 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 an aquarium, if, if you think about it, because I was saying to, today, I actually saw the picture because uh, I look checking DCPs on, on, on a cinema screen. Yeah. 
I was just thinking, you know, I'm, I'm of a certain age. We're similar age, okay? So I can remember this era. And mm. I was thinking that so many of the cast were not as if, born. As if, as if. You remember when we were black, not black and Asian? Yeah, I've, I've never used BAME in my life. I've never, <laughs> <laughs> never, never used that term. I've never, ever. I don't know what it is. Go for it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, you know, so I, you know, I remember these sort of that music, that those sort of parties, mm. that thing. I remember being scared of the police. I remember never, ever opening the door if someone knocked on the door because my brother was old and he'd get in trouble. You know, like, you know, I remember all of this era, growing up in Stoke Newington, Hackney. I remember the riots. Mm. So but I'm thinking a lot of the cast are too young to remember any of that. So you had to kind of, teach sure. them to feel they were right for that era the way they stand the way they talk the accents sure. all of this yeah but a lot of them were playing their their mothers or fathers or grandfathers or grandmothers a lot or uncles or whatever a lot of them were playing them so you know again it's like you know you know we used to think of you know italian americans in the scortese movie they're playing their mothers and fathers and uncles and aunts and whatever that's what they were doing so for some people there was enough there wasn't you obviously coached them and they understood but there was a, a feel, a vibe that they, they, they innately had. You know, it was great for them to, to perform to what they are, how can I say, what they can do in a way which is effortless. As well, they can do, they can do other things, of course, but it's wonderful to, to, to be for a moment within who you um, understand or who, even mannerisms. I mean, you know, it's, you know, no, no, I, you know, you know, on a, on a Scorsese set, you get Italian Americans. So, you know, we got the similar, similar situation here. So that was it, you know. And then everyone just got into it. Everyone, and, and that, that was, was something that just, just a vibe that was, yeah. Oh, uh, on, 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 on all the films, it was, I mean, Red, White, and Blue, Love is Rock, uh, Ma, 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 excuse me, Mangrove, uh, all that was a vibe. It was beautiful. It was beautiful to, to feel because everything was just so effortless. And I think the people were euphoric and also sort of, be themselves on set. All of a sudden, they were being themselves on film, you know? Yeah. So it was beautiful. And they had to be you know, in focus, that's about it. And there was sound. A few things that kind of run through the films, like food and the importance of food, <laughs> getting that right on the screen. Do you want to talk a little bit about just, you know, that's an important part of culture, isn't it? Beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's all about the senses. And the food is particularly, obviously, you know, uh, you, know, um, you know, fairly similar backgrounds as far as food is concerned, and 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 and, and preparation and, and tradition and so forth. Yeah, it was it was it was wonderful to sort of uh, to do, and, and and because also so much things happen over breaking bread. So many things happen around that sort of, and also what's good good, good for scenes is everyone's on the table. <laughs> you know, there's no getting away because you're eating, so you can do so you can do a scene. So yeah, and, that, and obviously in our in our lives. So, that would happen a lot. They were, you know, people had to sit together and eat. It was very, very important. And what they ate and so forth and whatnot. Yeah. Tell me about music and the choice of music and when you mm. knew you were going to have a particular track or a, a, a song from your past and your memories or when it was going to be a score. Had it start with Lovers Rock, I guess. Yeah, I think, I think you know, we had, we had this amazing musician, Mika, and I spoke to her the other day and, and she would be talking about it. And I think Mika had a very tough time after a while, because I didn't understand it myself, but I, because we were talking on the phone and it was okay, oh, because the, 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 the source music was so strong. That's why there's only a score actually on, on Mangrove. There's, I don't, there's no other score anywhere else other than in, in Mangrove, because the source music was so strong and of its time. And I think it's a lot without saying anything. Um, so, you know, again, when you think of sort of um, education with, um, you know, I know, you know, the small faces, 
you know, I love, I remember that tune a lot. I mean, you know, it just, it was just one of those things where you did that kind of angst. And I think, you know, there's a, I think that tune is, um, what was it? What, um, what was it? The tune, you know, wouldn't it be nice to get on with your neighbours? It's, it's on the bus when, it, when, it, when he's going to Durant's, the sort of education of normal school. So there's a sense of sort of anarchy, but fury and a certain kind of angst, which I love with, with, with the small faces. And going back to sort of the, you know, you can see Bob Marley, of course, and, and, and uh, you know, elsewhere. It's, it's, yeah, it's about how it integrates within the narrative. But of course, okay, Love is Rock. Let's go to Love is Rock. So Love is Rock, that was always built around from day one. I said, this narrative has to be built around the way the DJ lays down the track. So as he lays the tracks down, then we, our narrative builds on that. So there's a one there's one narrative and there's a narrative on top of that. So there's all of these sort of waves. So by the time we get to sort of um, um, silly games, there's a, you know, things change. There's a transformation, a, spirit, a spiritualization. You know, it becomes some, it's, it's a place. Of, even though that blues is being circumnavigated by, the, you know, you know racism and the police and, 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 and the, the, the wider, broader sense of, um, of unfortunate sort of uh, landscape of that time, that is a, that that was a sanctuary for these young people, and it was their church. So the spirituality and the outpouring and the sort of the letting go was very apparent. And of course, when we get to Kunta Kinte, I remember hearing that because I was looking for the dub track, looking for the dub track. And as soon as that needle, well, it was needle. But as soon as I heard it, it was like a dog whistle going off in my head. So that's the track, you know. That's the track. That's the track. And that's the track when everyone goes crazy um, at the end of the uh, um, Lovers Rock. But then you can think of. Um, you know, red, white, and blue with the soul music. Because again, Lee Will Logan was, was a soul guy. And his best friend was Lee John from Imagination. So <laughs> I, you know, again, it's one of those things where, um, you know, all of these songs from, oh God, I'm going crazy. I can't remember the guy's name because I'm having a bit of a brain fart there. Um, and I hear people saying this person's name and I'll get it in a second. Um, the soul singer who's I've got three tracks on there. So so it was this case of that Americanness as well, uh, which was appreciated. And, and I think I just wanted to sort of have those three songs in a way because they say a lot to help the narrative, but also, I mean, the end tune is so beautiful when the father and, um, and Lee were talking, when Steve and John Vega are talking at the end, the father and son. Um, it's just one of those songs which says everything without saying anything really. Tell me specifically about shooting kind of the silly game sequence and, and what, what, how much of that was planned, how much of that was happening as you were feeling it, how much, you know, I think I heard you say this is like, this is your musical. Yeah. Well, the thing is, you know, as I said, you know, none of that was planned as such because, you, you know, I knew what I wanted. You could write it down, but, you know, that, what, what is that? What does that mean? You know, until you're in the room. How long was the script know? for that? Was it a normal length script? Was it quite short and you just like let it grow? Yeah, I think, you know, okay, write me a three minutes, uh, you know, write me, you know, I need three, write me three pages on people dancing, you know, what, holding hands and what, you know, you know, <laughs> you know, okay, he holds her hand, he does this, he does it, but, you know, it's just, it's, 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 a, it's a filler space, because that whole sequence is like in six and a half minutes, I think, or even longer, I'm not too sure. So it's, and, and again, it's, it's sometimes scripts are there as a guide. And that's about it. So everyone knows what room they've got to be in and how many people need to be there. And that's about it. And then you let it ride, let it go. Because you can't, you can't, 
You can't predict that. All that stuff that you saw there was was just uh, it was the vibe that was happening. It was real. It was it was we happened to be there with a camera and uh, uh, and some equipment. I mean, you know, we just set we set the you know, sometimes you see sometimes you just need to set the environment, give the vibe, and I think that's what a director does. A director is a person who can actually communicate and set the feel and the vibe to bring it. They feel comfortable. People want to do it, you know, and then you let go and it's okay. You know what? It's okay. You know, and they feel themselves. They feel each other. I mean, you know, uh, you know, we have a black DP with a black director with black people, you know, let's do it. Let's feel ourselves. Let's go. And also it was one of the women, everything, the guys were just, it was beautiful. I mean, you know, you can't, you can't make that stuff up. That's great. And it feels, Again, it, it, it is a cultural it, thing. So go ahead. Go on, go on, tell me. Well, it's a cultural thing. Isn't it? I mean, it's like one of those things where you can bring it, you know, and I think that's it. And, and it's a case of allowing things to happen, you know. I always think that, you know, films more and more, the experience of making a film is like the subject, you know. So what you're talking about is you were talking about spaces in these films, particular spaces where people would go where they felt comfortable. And when you're making a film, you're creating that universe in order to tell the story. Absolutely. I also, I always, always think that directing is a bit like being a DJ anyway. <laughs> so that, it's about when do you want to lift it when you want to bring it down who do you want to move you know who do you want to re- how do you absolutely. want people to react mm-hmm. absolutely that, that's a good one that's 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 i think you're absolutely right you know you're the, you're the hype man for sure you know yeah yeah absolutely you I mean, set it off like you say everyone's you know, look, everyone's, look, everyone's looking at you and if you're low you're low if you're down you know so it's like fucking exhausting as you know <laughs> you know you know, but at the same time, you know, you just, you get high off the, off, off the reaction, you get high of what you see and, and to give people freedom uh, and, 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 and for the, allowing them to experiment. I hate the word experiment, a free and more, because I don't know what one's going to do, how they're going to do it. But you know what? Sometimes it's, it's like this, you know, as far as actors are concerned or that the business, story, sometimes you need to, they need to make them how you need to, you need for them to become a sphere. And what I mean by that is no matter where and how they roll, it's correct. You're going to turn the situation into a sphere. So they, they, they can't do anything wrong. If, you know, that's it. Shoot. Action. You know. Fantastic. So was this, how was this experience generally making these films compared to, you know, what you've done before? You know, you made these studio films, you've made Hollywood films, and then you've come back and you've made these films in West London and, Wolverhampton as well, but set in a certain community. What was was it very different, or was it was it like? It's beautiful. Same thing. It's it's just beautiful. I mean, I've got to say, it was beautiful being in Brixton and shooting, being in 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 in, uh, where we were. We we were all all over the gaff. Um, I mean, just gorgeous. It was just really kind of a wow. I was shooting a movie. I shoot movies in my hometown, London, and uh, it was. You know, in America, it's okay, it's good, it's fantastic. But sometimes, you know, I was so happy to have some geezer talk to me about shit, and I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, and it's just you could go, so you can make sound with your with your with your with, with your mouth. My person will understand you in a second, you move on. And oh shit, I have been when I was on other sets, I've been sort of talking in sort of international English to sort of, you know, um, I know it sounds silly, but it's just to be yourself. Um, and to be with people who understand you. I mean, this is beautiful. It was wonderful. I'm not saying that it's not as bad in, in the States, far from it, but I just felt so um, happy. I felt so happy. I mean, goodness, we don't have an industry here because 
Netflix and the rest of the fucking language taking all our shit. And we don't have a narrative there because, you know, people support it correctly or whatever. So I felt nice. I felt happy for a moment that I, I could be here in my own town and doing stuff, which I love doing. One, 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 note, one question that's coming from um, someone is that just uh, generally when you have your sets, do you essentially let them be uh, kind of 360 sets? Like you can, the actors can go anywhere they want, the camera can look anywhere. Do you kind of light the whole space or do you, do you is that how you would like, prefer to work? No. no. It's, it's, I think sometimes you can't do that. Um, and also it's a craft. So again, you know, it's not, you know, I might say stuff, but it's not willy nilly. And what I mean by that, I grew up shooting on Super 8. I had a Super 8 camera and it was fucking expensive. It was like, was it 450 a cartridge? So when I shot, you know, oh my God, I would shoot something. Oh my God, that's 20, 20 pence. I just really rattled off. So how I learned to shoot was that way. What, I, what do I want? How do I want it? It has to, there has to, there has to be a preciseness. There has to be, it's, it's a craft. So you have to know exactly what you want to a certain extent. And then, you know, you know I don't shoot thousands of hours of footage and cut it down to half an hour. That's not how I work. It's uh, and, uh, a coverage. I mean, what the hell is that? You know, do you do a lot of takes? I don't know. If it's not, I don't know. Good question. I, don't, I suppose I just want to get it right. If it's basic, when you shoot it, it's first shot, it's right, it's right as we want. You know, yeah. it's not, it's cover. I don't cover what's coverage to me. Then, you know, I'm not, I'm not people do coverage. It's, 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 it's like, oh, it's, it's a bit old, just in case. And I'm like, I'm here, mother. And I'm doing it. Let's focus. <laughs> let's focus. Let's get this right. How am I going to do this? You know, it's, it's, it's an art. It's, it's a craft. So, you know, I might be speaking willy nilly, but it is a craft. It's, it's no, like no, no, this is no, it. No. You're talking about yeah. your, your style. That's exactly what we want to hear. So I want to ask you a question, which is like, so how different is Steve McQueen, film director, everything that you've achieved, everything you've done now from the fine artist that started out making the films? How, how am I different? Yeah. Are you still kind of like essentially the same guy making films the same way, but on a much bigger scale? Or have you totally changed everything? I, I, my first day of shooting small acts, the, the, the day before, I didn't sleep at all. I didn't sleep. I didn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. I didn't sleep. I, the, the night before, the first day, I didn't sleep a wink. Could I do it? Can I do it? Can I do it again? I'm any good. You know, do I, will I remember what to do? How do this? Listen, as a director, you know, it's a funny thing that being a director because often you're the most inexperienced person on the set. <laughs> You know, <laughs> you know, most people are like, you know, how many films you've done last year? I've done Al 5 or whatever, 4 4, whatever. I'm like, you're just coming in after like three years of doing something. <laughs> so, three years know, of talking, and then suddenly yeah. you're meant to turn up and be yeah. on it. And I've forgotten how to direct normally. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I'm like, I think I'm this, I, I think I'm the same guy. I mean, you know, there may be more people on the set, but that don't matter because it's just about, you know, what you're focused with, you know, what you're focused with. So, no, I, I think I'm the same person. I'm the, am I, yeah, I think, am I the same person? I think I am the same person. Am I, am I the same person? Um, yes, I am the same person. I, 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 I unfortunately, because I wish I was not, you know, a little bit more gun ho about it, but no, I'm the same person. But I mean, to me... Sorry, Steve, sorry. No, no, sorry. I, I'm talking, I'm, I'm, gob I'm gobbledygooking, yeah. I suppose I was talking about kind of, in a way, when I was 
my question, I guess, was when I'm thinking about these films, there are moments that are kind of very poetic and very beautiful. Mm. They're not necessarily all about moving the story on, which to me is kind of like an artist. You know, you're an artist and you're making films and you're kind of like creating moods and atmospheres. And I suppose I was being kind of general like that in terms of it. Well, I think that is part of the moving things forward. Uh, you know, it's not, you know, I'm not stopping to look at the beautiful vase or to look at, you know, sweat dropping down off a wall or seeing a colander rock back and forth. It's about the moment and what that moment means and time and digesting and lulling. You know, the colander, for example, say on that, is a case of lulling, digesting of, what, of what's just happened, you know, and, and, and then you cut to Frank, you know, still um, in a gambling den. You know, it's very important that you, you know, you know, choose things like, you know, like Frank at the end of Mangrove when he's in the dock, I chose to go to him and to focus in on him when we hear all the verdicts are happening. So it is, it's, it's a combination. It's not, it's storytelling as well as, you know what, it's how you tell a story, you know? Two people in a pub, one tells you the, one's the same story, the other person bores you to tears, the other person has you on the edge of your chair. So that's it really, it's how you tell a story, which is, the, which is the most important thing. Tell me about to tell the reaction story. to the films when, when they came out. How did it feel? Because of, this all came out last year, yeah? During lockdown, it's been a weird experience. It's been a weird experience. I mean, it was wonderful. I was working with some amazing people. Chris Dickens, the editor. I was working with some amazing sound, sound team, uh, you know. So we were basically mixing and, and grading. Um, uh, uh, and then, Virtually? Um, no. Were you able to meet? We were, the same, we were the same. We were in the same room. This is just, yeah. You know, so we, I think we came back. We were in the same room. We all checked and whatnot. We were all very careful. And because every week we had a debut, we were very fortunate that we opened New York Film Festival. And we were very lucky that we, they took three of our films. So every, every week uh, for three weeks, we had a movie. We cut it on a bloody, uh, on a Thursday, I think. And oh, no, yeah, a Thursday we, we delivered it. And it was debuted on the Friday, you know, reviewed on the bloody Monday for three weeks. So we were just, it was like a factory, you know, finishing off. And it was, it was wonderful working with those guys. And it was such a good laugh. And, yeah, uh, Chris Dickens is, is great, and you know it's just beautiful. It was, we, we had a wonderful, wonderful time uh, doing that. So that and the, the response, of course, because okay, we, we debuted Lovers Rock at the Open New York Film Festival uh, last year, and the response was was ecstatic because I think with COVID, having that movie and they they did it at a drive-in as well as, as stream it. I think people apparently j jumping out their cars and dancing and beep and beeping their horns and whatnot. It was it was a a really euphoric sort of moment. And that was kind of moving. I was in tears also talking to people on, on, on in the phone and, and the response to the movie, because, you know, to have a certain kind of um, impact in New York, it was the first cultural event in New York since, since, since the COVID situation happened. And to have that kind of, you know, feeling of emotion, um, I think, you know, again, you know, the taste, the smell, the sound, all the, all the, all, you know, all the, you know, all the, Senses being sort of uh, celebrated, sensuality, sexuality. And I was very, I was very touched by. It. Have, have, wow, what what do Americans make from this experience? Though, do they, they, they always, I always get surprised. Like they don't know about the kind of black experience necessarily in the UK. So, how was the response internationally? Oh, it's amazing. Uh, I mean, I, I think you know, you know, 
I think people understand a party. I think they understand uh, music. Uh, I think they understand love. So it was very easy, you know, and, and I understand people enjoying themselves and they understand sort of people sort of sheltering from unfortunate surroundings they, they find themselves in. So it was a real, you know, again, you could take this to anywhere in the world and have people understand it. You know, it's, it's, it's you know, people sort of, you know, basically, you know, how can I say, resisting the, the environment they're in and making something of their own, small acts. So, yeah. Has anything changed since, you know, when the stories are set? Do you think the world and the experience for young people now is different now? No, unfortunately not. Unfortunately not. I think that's why I stopped it in the 80s. I thought, it was, I think when they were Logan, you know, joins a police force, uh, I think it's uh, 84, 83. And he has that conversation with his father. I mean, I, I, in fact, I was going to end with that, but I decided to end with education because of the possibility of education. Um, because he says, his father, and he says, you know, what he says to his father, he says they had the conversation where he says, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, just scorch, just scorch the earth and, you know, and, and replant it, you know, and something good will come out of it, something good, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, so, but, but with edu- I, 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 I swapped around for education then because you need the optimism and also the possibility because there is a possibility, there is a, the, a future and again, you know, we have to keep on fighting and, 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 and striving because, you know, without those people who fought before, you and I wouldn't be talking to each other. Just wouldn't be. You know, all those people, you know, the fighting in, in, in Hackney, the fighting in sorry, um, Lewisham, Southall, um, Toxted, London, you know, Manchester, you know, or Birmingham, all over the gaff. Trust me. You know, we, yeah. we stand on, on, on their shoulders. Perhaps there's not an if, but or maybe about it. Trust me. As you know, as you, as you already know. Yeah. This podcast was recorded at a Directors UK member event. You can hear more episodes of the Directors UK podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or your favourite podcatcher. Directors UK is a professional association for film and TV directors with over 7,500 members. Find out more about us at directors.uk.com.